This is Talking Tactics, the podcast that celebrates enrollment success one tactic at a time. The catch? The tactic had to be done with limited resources, either by a single person, a small but mighty team, limited time, or with a low budget. I'm your host, Diana Kibbils, Strategy Director at Ology, and I'll be interviewing the most creative and resourceful folks across higher ed to break down a single tactic, from idea to results, so you can try them too. Are you ready? Let's talk tactics. Hi, everyone. It's Day, your host of Talking Tactics. With me today is Jackie Vetrano. Jackie's here to talk about how the school she works at got over 7,000 new data points for nearly 3,000 prospective students by creating a two-step RFI form process. Jackie is the Assistant Director of MBA Prospect Management and Marketing at UNC Kinnan Flagler Business School in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. There, she manages and implements the lead nurture strategy using email, as well as other important touch points to encourage prospective students to apply to the top-ranked MBA program. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Hello. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. We're so excited to have you. So you've seen a lot of success by kind of modifying the RFI form process that you you were using at the school. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you were trying to do or solve? Yeah. So I think I am not the only one who wants more data about prospects, especially when they first enter the funnel. But we all know that you know you can't ask every single question right away or it might turn some people off. When we started, our form simply asked for name, email, and then phone number is optional. And we were really happy with that. But it didn't allow us to do a lot of good segmentation or personalization or really start to understand our prospects until much later in the funnel. So we were trying to figure out, okay, how do we learn more about these prospects without being too clingy, too annoying, and turning them away. <laughs> you definitely do not want to be too clingy. No. Um, so tell me, what idea did you come up with and where did that idea come from? So my supervisor and I, she was a big, a big proponent of this. And so I'm happy to kind of represent this on her behalf. She was all about the idea of a two-step form. And, and we've seen this before. I feel like wherever you go when you're signing up for mailing lists or, or maybe you're interested in a certain product, it asks you to fill out the simple stuff. And then all of a sudden you're in a second part and it's asking for some more information. So mm-hmm. we wanted to to do the same thing. We also were kind of struggling saying, okay, our email strategy is good, but it could be a lot better, but we need those data touch points to be able to better understand our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided instead of lengthening our RFI form, we decided instead to do a two-step form. Like I said, this isn't like a super genius idea. We just decided to to go with it, uh, to kind of take yeah. the idea from other industries and, and go for it. And we wanted to make sure we were doing it right. We didn't want to compromise our lead pool. Every prospect is a valuable one. So we wanted to make sure yeah. we did it the right way. Yeah, I I always like to joke that if higher ed wants to innovate, all we have to do is look at another industry. 100%. They're like 10 years ahead of us just on any given day. Absolutely, yeah. So once you had this idea, your supervisor was on board, two-step process. Tell me about the steps that you took to implement it. Um, What type of resources did you need and, and how did it go? 
it seems very straightforward, right? Like make form, put on website. Um, but we actually went a little bit backwards on mm-hmm. the process. And I'm I'm so lucky. I have a great supportive team that um, myself and my supervisor were able to work really intimately on this. Uh, and so we didn't really have to go up too many ladders to get the approval because it really is in our wheelhouse as marketers and communicators. So kind of the backwards thinking I took Mm -hmm. was, what communications do we want to send? Who do we want to talk to? And then that actually informed the type of questions we were asking. Instead of saying, okay, let's just – and you're probably doing this if you're like, I really want to know, let's say, gender identity. That's one that's really popular. Thinking about what are we going to do with that data? For me, if I was going to ask questions of these students, I didn't Mm -hmm. want to just ask for the sake of asking. I wanted a plan. Um, So first, we just kind of thought about what assets we had available to us, what are the types of questions that we know we're getting a lot from prospective students. Um, As you mentioned, Mm -hmm. A, I work specifically with MBA programs. So when I'm talking, it's a little bit different than the traditional undergraduate messaging, but it's still the same thing, like what it's going to be like there for these students. Why am I quitting my job or why am I adding on a, a commitment with my job, right, going to school and working at the same time? Um, So we look back on our enrollment goals and what types of students we're trying to recruit, what types of um, groups we would like more representation for. But a big example that was super easy, and I can see a lot of schools and a lot of programs adapting to this, is for a full-time program, we have 12 optional concentrations. So something like Mm -hmm. healthcare, Mm -hmm. energy, um, management, corporate finance, right? It's an opportunity to basically customize your MBA experience. And so wouldn't it be so great if we knew at the top of the funnel if somebody was Mm -hmm. interested in one of those concentrations? Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't ask that until very deep into the application process, really, at this point. So um, it was super, super easy for us to say, hey, we've got 12 concentrations. What are your top three that you're interested in? So now at least we have a bit of an understanding of what types of things they're interested in. And while that shifts our emails to say, hey, you said you're interested in this healthcare concentration, here's an email about that. It also helps me inform, you know, we've got this email going out about the student experience. Now I can swap out quotes because if somebody says they're interested in healthcare, wouldn't it be great to hear from someone who did the healthcare concentration? So mm-hmm. thinking backwards about the assets that we had and how that can inform our communications and then saying, okay, what data would do we need to ask for? One other example that we thought about for our executive MBA program is where are you in the world? Uh, okay. Our three executive MBA programs, one of them actually attracts folks from across the country. They come to Chapel Hill um, a couple times of a year, basically, to keep it simple. And so people are rec- are being recruited from California, from Oregon, from Texas, everywhere. And we often have these meet and greet events in different cities. But if we're only asking their name and their email address, we don't know who to tell about that coffee chat that's happening in Austin. And mm-hmm. so one thing I, I wanted to do was let prospects know why we were asking these questions. So I actually say, we often host meet and greet events around the country. Let us know where you're located so we can let you know about local events, right? Instead of just saying- That's so different than just, yeah, give us your mailing address so we can spam you forever. (laughs) And that's the thing, right? Like, I don't need to know your mailing address. We don't need to know it until you submit your application. And so just tell me what city and state you're located in, right? Like, I'm going to send you an email if we're having an event that's kind of close by. 
I want to quickly interrupt this conversation to invite you to join me at Element 451's Engage Summit on June 27th and 28th in Raleigh, North Carolina. When it comes to the student experience, we know that you want to be a trusted guide from recruiting to graduation. The Engage Summit by Element 451 brings the best minds in higher ed together to give you the strategy and tools to create a cohesive student experience from start to finish. Explore the latest technologies, increase your skill set, and gain insights into today's students to deliver the most personalized digital engagement experience every step of the way. This is not your standard EdTech user conference. This is a dynamic, inspiring, and empowering event for all higher ed marketers and admissions professionals. I'll be presenting at this event along with some of your favorite higher ed LinkedIn and Twitter follows. You can learn more about this event and register for it at engage.element451.com. Oh, and get 50% off your registration when you use the discount code and roll a 550 at checkout. See you there. So regarding the, the resources you asked about, I think a really big one was really a lot of brain power um, to think mm. critically about what to do with this data and mm -hmm. why we want it. Um, because yeah. then you kind of get into that like awkward creep of, oh, wow, our second part of the form has 25 questions on it because everybody just wants to like get data. Um, so that was a big one for us. And then really the lift of creating those assets. As I mentioned, I didn't want to just ask for ask these questions and not do anything with it. So yeah. really the lift of, okay, if somebody says this about themselves, then what are we going to do with that? Um, so yeah, that's that. kind of that. I love it because uh, that just begins to create a trusting relationship, right? Like if they told you they're in Austin, Texas, and then they get an email about events there or any other communication about it, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, they're really taking care of what they know about me and using what they know about me. So that's really smart. A hundred percent. Can you tell us where how these forms were built? Are you on a CRM or are, what type of kind of software are you using? Absolutely. Yeah. So we um, use HubSpot for our prospect messaging. Uh, so our okay. forms are built there. And then our website is WordPress. So having to integrate those is is pretty straightforward. I'm not going to pretend to know all the ins and outs of that. But if anyone <laughs> has questions, I can certainly point you at the smart people uh, that helped me out to set that up. But it's pretty uh, it's pretty straightforward. I can't lie just to, to preach the praises of both HubSpot and WordPress on that one. Um, okay. And so what we ultimately did, and I know you and I today are going to talk about some obstacles, and so I can get to that yeah. soon, but um, one of the obstacles was the actual setup of, of mm -hmm. this, but we overcame it. We can talk about that in a minute, but yeah. um, all of our automated emails are run through HubSpot. All that data is being held in HubSpot, so keeping it all in one CRM is, is key, in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's how you can really leverage what you get, right? Mm -hmm. So how many questions ended up in like part one of the form versus part two of the form? Yeah, absolutely. So our first part didn't change, required first name, last name, and email, and then phone number is optional. And then once you get to the second part, you're just going to see five questions. They're oh, really wow. straightforward. All of them are optional. And like I said, I think part of that is because I was lucky enough to, to kind of be able to do this in my own little bubble. I didn't need to get influenced 
influenced by all the different departments that suddenly feel like they need more data, but also keeping it short. Like even though we are asking these questions that are fully optional, I'm not trying to have you tell me 20 different things about yourself right now. And even if you did, I probably wasn't going to be able to do much with 20. Uh, so five was was really a good solid number um, for yeah. us. And are you able to share what those questions were? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll talk more to, we're doing, like I said, we do this for our full-time MBA programs and for our executive MBAs. Um, the full-time MBA, we've been doing this for a little over a year. So I'm just going to talk about that a little bit more because we have more sure. data to go off of. But yeah. um, with the full-time uh, MBA, first they're asked about concentrations. So I can, I mm-hmm. Pulled this up because I was like, you're going to ask me what these questions are. So I'm oh, ready you to know, read You them. know me. I'm ready yes. to read them. Uh, so <laughs> it says, you can customize your MBA thanks to our concentrations. Are you interested in learning about any of these options? Please select no more than three. And then it lists all 12 with a checkbox. Yeah. Um, would you like to learn more about our partnerships with any of the following organizations? Uh, we as a school are very fortunate to partner with incredible organizations um, across the country, including the Consortium for Graduate Study. Um, this is supporting African-American, Hispanic-American, Native American students, the Forte Foundation for Women and Allies, Reaching Out MBA for the LGBTQ community, and, and a couple more. And I really really like this question versus saying, do you identify in any of these groups? And this is something actually I learned from you, Day, and in a previous conversation you and I were having is assuming interest based on data. Just Mm -hmm. because somebody says, yes, I identify as African-American, they might not want information about the consortium, for example, that Mm -hmm. works with students of color. And Mm -hmm. so this, I think, better speaks to, okay, what do you want to actually learn about? We're not Mm -hmm. just going to assume that you don't or do want to learn about something because of who you are or who you're not. Um, So we asked that question. We ask if they're an international student looking to pursue an mm-hmm. MBA, uh, just because the the application and enrollment and, and some other things are very different for the international There's student There's so experience. much more information they might need. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so versus, I mean, truly, as nice as it would be to say, what country do you live in? For me as a marketer at this stage, at the top of the funnel, I don't care if you're in India or China or South Africa. If you're, if you're not from the United States or you're not a, a domestic student yeah. or permanent resident, I'm that's how I'm categorizing you. So yeah. I liked uh, approaching it like this versus yeah. pick from this giant list of a million countries from around the world. <laughs> but you know, but based on, you know, if you have a lot of recruitment events specifically in different countries, maybe you do want to ask that. We don't. Um, but that doesn't mean that the way I'm approaching it is wrong. I think the lesson here is what you told us initially. What are you actually going to use? Mm-hmm. That is the level of detail you need, which I think is just an incredible lesson. Tell us which one's next. What year do you want to start your MBA? Of course. We would very love important. to know. Yes, very important. <laughs> and and this, I think, could be asked from an undergraduate level. You know, what year are you in college maybe is a, a better way to do this because I don't know if undergraduate students think about it this way. Obviously, students who are considering an MBA, that could be a very different they could be saying, yeah, I want to start my MBA in two years or next week. Yeah. Like they, They're very different um, on a different yeah. cycle. And then finally, um, select the terms with which you most identify. And these are just sex, gender uh, questions. So we have man, woman, transgender, cis, non-binary, self-identify. Um, so this is honestly, I'll be honest with you, Day, like we don't act on this data all the time. There are moments that we want to speak just to those who identify as women, especially mm-hmm. um, based on our recruitment goals. We want 
representation of women in business. But otherwise, this is the one I would say we act on the least. I see so much potential with that question too. Even just by asking it is acknowledging Mm -hmm. that we care about your identity and 100%. how you identify. Yeah. And I can see use cases where, you know, if, if this data ever gets to an, a person that's having a conversation about these prospects that, you know, they would use the appropriate pronouns perhaps, or mm-hmm. not assume, at least not assume. Right. Absolutely. So I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So earlier you alluded to the fact that we were going to talk about challenges. You know, we are. Everything so far sounds pretty straightforward, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I know it's probably too good to be true. What were some of the obstacles that came up for you? I was very lucky. Our obstacles, based on other projects that we, I've worked on, were, were very minor uh, compared to, to other obstacles that could happen. But we really um, struggled with the UX of, of all of this. What does the actual okay. user experience? The ideal was you're on our website because these forms, I don't know if I mentioned that, these RFI forms are pretty much everywhere on our website. We have just okay. a, a quick call out on most pages for each program of like, hey, are you interested? Fill out this quick form. And that that seems mm-hmm. to be a great move for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the ideal would be, you know, you're maybe you're on the page about concentrations and you mm-hmm. see the form and you're like, yeah, you know what? I am interested. And you fill it out. We want you to be able to stay there because I'm sure you're in the middle of something. You're probably like oh, looking yeah. for something. Unfortunately, we we couldn't get the rest of the questions to just kind of pop up after you hit submit in the same page. And so our workaround, which I, I feel, still think is a valuable one, is they actually go to a whole separate WordPress page on our website. So you're still you still have our whole website architecture in front of you. So you're now on a separate, basically landing page, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, that has the next five questions. And it's it's mm-hmm. introduced by, you know, tell us a little more about yourself. We'd love to give you information, something, something about, you know, that that's more mm-hmm. relevant to you. I don't love that user experience. It's not my favorite because they're leaving now the place that they were. Like yeah. you didn't just come to the website to be like, you know what? I got to fill out that form. Like you, you didn't do that. Uh, you were probably <laughs> they in the will of after this podcast. <laughs> Everybody come fill out the form. Um, but it's uh, and that that was a bit frustrating. So unfortunately for us, and and I don't know if somebody knows a solution to this with with WordPress and and HubSpot and how they they hang out together. Uh, please please contact me. I would love to change this. But unfortunately, it was just a conundrum for for my team. And we said, you know what, at least we can make it happen. At least it can be seamless. At least it will still be on the same website. Like you're not just getting shot off into a, a whole other place. Um, so that was a bit of a bummer there. But they do stay on the website. So pros and cons. The other thing that I was running into with HubSpot specifically is HubSpot matches contacts on email address. I know yeah. Slate, for example, matches on birthday, which is a very interesting play, but <laughs> here we are. Very um, interesting. Very interesting. I mean, I guess it's a, a unique identifier. Um, and for some huh? reason, which actually doesn't surprise me, given all the emphasis that's been on privacy and, and data, we couldn't just have the second form because these are essentially built in HubSpot as two different forms. And when I say essentially, I mean they are. They're two different independent forms. We just know they like talk to each other, which I can talk about in a second. And so because of that, this kind of second step of the form, we needed to have the email field on it because HubSpot wasn't able to connect. Oh, Dave filled out the first part and now she's here on the second part and here we are. 
which is a bummer because obviously I'm not going to, I don't want to ask you this question again. We already, I know that you just, just told us. asked you. Yeah. Exactly. And we Ooh. made it required, which is unfortunate because it is by HubSpot's terms required to ask because it, you match on it. Based, and of course, we don't just want these floating leads, like just floating in our database with I mean, no connection. Don't you want to know <laughs> random concentrations? I just send <laughs> it out to the ether, I guess. Yeah. Um, so a bit of a bummer there. I can't lie. There was no real workaround for it. So my solution was to have it be the last uh, question of the five. So actually, technically, there's six questions. The email is the last one. Um, And it's just right at the bottom, like email. If you have cookies enabled, it will autofill at least. So hopefully that eases the one more click, one more field thing for most of our users. But of course, like I said, data and privacy is really important. And so I understand why people would say, no, you can't have my cookies. No, you cannot save my email address to this form. Um, So it's a bit of a bummer. I mean, I have no way of knowing how many or how few um, folks this is deterring because we can't A-B test it because we literally can't take it off. Um, But based on our numbers, which I know we'll talk about, I don't think it's a huge deterrent, uh, which is good. But it is definitely a bummer from a UX perspective, at least in my heart and soul. Yes. It hurts um, your heart. I can yes. see it. I can see it's it. Like, I can sense it. I almost want to write like in the help message, like, we're yeah. sorry. We really have to ask. Like, it's, I it's know. not our I fault. I know. I was just thinking. <laughs> I mean, just right there, uh, HubSpot is making me do this. It's not my fault. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Hi, this is Jackie from yeah. behind the screen. Um, should write a thank you message to all these people. Like, thank you so much for giving your email twice. We really appreciate it. Um, and then our final obstacle or, or warning, I guess I'll say to anyone who's looking to implement this is we completely forgot based on our structure, um, based on the fact that literally we built a whole new web page for this, these five questions. We completely forgot that it was going to get indexed. And so people... Mm-hmm really want to tell us about themselves, apparently, because all of a sudden I see, why do we have all these leads coming in without a first or last name? Oh, oh it's because they found the page because they're super sleuths. So don't forget to not index this page. Make it super hidden. Hide it everywhere in your in your insight search. Don't let it get indexed for Google. So we do wow. have some floating. At least we have their emails, though. You so, do have their emails. You know? There you go. <laughs> we just don't That's have their the names. That's the glass half full right yes, there. Yes, exactly. So um, big warning. We completely forgot about that. Like was not – it just didn't even cross our mind of like, oh, we don't want people to find this on their own. We need them to get there um, through the path. And the way it's connected is, is within the HubSpot CRM. You can basically say, hey, if somebody fills mm-hmm. out this part of the form, either pop up a thank you message inform or shoot them to a new page which is exactly what we did for this perfect <laughs> all right so I'm like so excited about these forms and everything that's on them and you know this podcast is all about results so yes. tell us what happened then so what metrics um, went up and how has it helped your enrollment yeah absolutely so it's a tough specific question to answer right because we started at zero we had we had zero information about these people. so we we were flawless here um, but no we really <laughs> didn't have super high expectations for this we really didn't I was like how many people are really going to want to give us more information than they already did. But it turns out they really are, are cool with it. For the last year, for full time, like I said, we've been running EMBA for, or Executive MBA for too short of a time that I don't want to report on it right now. But fi- we got 58% of those who completed the initial form to fill out at least one question on the second form, which wow. was amazing. We were kind of benchmarking in our heads like, yeah, if we get 30%, that'll be, yeah. that'll be all right. Like, that's cool. But 50 
58%. So over half of, of the folks that fill wow. out this form, which was, was really surprising, like I said. So since we launched this in February 2022, we effectively tripled the number of data points gathered for 60% of our organic leads. Again, 60% of folks who filled out this form, wow. we now have more information about. And uh, on average, people are filling out three out of the five questions, which, wow. again, really surprised us. We really thought, you know, maybe they'll fill out one thing. And I think I would credit that to them being specific um, and reasonable, I think would be mm -hmm. the two real takeaways. You know, like what concentrations are you interested in is a very relevant question. Are you an international student is a very relevant and reasonable question. It's literally yes or no. Are you an international student? Yes or no. It is, mm -hmm. it is not anything more complicated than that. So keeping it simple, I think, really helped us there. And then overall, I know you mentioned this, but um, we gained over 7,000 new data points for a total of 3,000 students in about a year, which is incredible, right? Because now we're doing a more segmented, personalized, mm -hmm. relevant communication campaign to 3,000 prospective students, um, which is super, super excited. I've got a lot more data for you if you want. I was like, Dave's oh, going to ask me everything. Give it, give it to us. Give it to me okay. right now. So I did some math things. 15% um, of those who completed the second part of the form went on to submit an application, whereas only 1% of those who only filled out the first form, the first part of the form, wow, went on to submit. And like, I can't even say, you know, like, this is why, but, and uh, maybe yes, we can, can. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it, but it also <laughs> indicates to me, and it's so funny because I haven't looked at it this way until day you called me for this podcast. It, uh, it's an obvious indication of intent. And I say that now, like, of course it is. Mm -hmm. If somebody's more willing to give their information, they're likely more interested mm -hmm. in you. But it's and, almost and like- they deserve our time, right? Yes, yeah. and exactly. And, and we've had conversations with our admissions team about who are we supposed to be, who should we admissions be reaching out to one-on-one? -on -one? My answer would be anybody that fills out the second part of the form, because clearly they are more interested. They have more yes. intent to fill this out. The math says eight times more likely, according to our data, that they're eight times wow. more likely to complete the application than those who just did the first part of the form. And you would think, right, like, oh, somebody's coming here and filling out the, f giving me their name and email. That's That shows a lot of intent. But to go back and see that only 1% of those leads are converting 1% of the people that only yeah. filled out the first part, that's like, that was really surprising to me. Um, and then finally, our open rates um, for emails, because I think that's kind of the the indicator of, okay, are we hitting the right people? Is Are you more engaged? The folks who did complete the second part of the form, uh, their open rate for that time period is about 66%, and their click-through wow. rate is about 15%, which is really great. Wow. Um, and then those who only complete a part one, and this is interesting, like I'm normally scared to share data that doesn't stick with my narrative. I'm going to share it here because you've built a safe space for me, Day. You are safe. F folks who only completed part one, their open rate was 54%. So less mm -hmm. than that 66%, which doesn't surprise me based on what we talked mm -hmm. about. But the click-through rate for those people was about 16%. So like slightly higher mm -hmm. click-through rate for those who only completed part one mm -hmm. versus those who completed part one and two, which is very curious to me. And like I said, it doesn't suit my narrative that we're we're killing the game here, but I'm willing to share <laughs> that as as honestly as I can. Um, uh, I can't well, explain Jackie, it. But... Don't worry. As a, as a statistician, 
Yes. I would say those are probably not significant differences. I love differences. that. Thank you for giving me that. Yeah, probably not. Probably yes. not. <laughs> and so, yeah, can I say that with with confidence, you know, oh my gosh, our, our second part form folks, they're so engaged. They are. They're very engaged. And But it's definitely giving us some indication of intent. And also maybe if you need to narrow down, oh gosh, we want to do kind of a one-on-one outreach campaign. Where do we start? great place to start is the folks yeah. that have filled Well, and, and not to mention that uh, that engagement is going to continue down the funnel, right? Mm-hmm. So those emails that they're opening are more tailored to them if they filled out the second form, which is going to build more trust, more affinity. So, you know, it's, it trickles all the way down to enrollment, right? Absolutely. So what's next for this data? What do you see trying? I think at the end of the day, I just want to use the data better, to your point, because we're seeing this significantly higher level of intent, essentially. They're flagging themselves and raising their hand and saying, I really am interested. Right now, just other than segmentation based on the data points, we treat them essentially the same as anyone else who's filled out the form. We we give them the same type of messaging. We might tailor an email to their interest or add an additional email based on the concentration they're interested in. Mm-hmm. But I think I would like to shift our strategy to treat these folks as higher intent, maybe give them a completely different mm-hmm. messaging strategy or different enough from mm-hmm. how we talk to just those who have completed our form. I think that's yeah. something to investigate um, yeah. in the future. Well, not just the data points, but just the mere fact that they filled it out. Exactly. Is, yeah. Exactly. And we don't do that. We we treat them, we talk to them based on what they've said, but not the fact that they've said anything at all. And so that's that's something I think is, is definitely an opportunity for us yeah. in the future. Great. And then finally, this data is available to our admissions team, but it's not being used all the time. And I think if we could partner with our admissions team and say, hey, Here are some folks on our executive MBA form, for example, we actually have an open field that asks what their career goals are because an executive MBA attracts so many different types of people from so many industries and goals and things. And people are filling that out. Like it's amazing. And so to say to admissions, hey, you know, here are all the people that have filled out what they want to do with their lives. Maybe here's a great place to start if you're trying some one-on-one yeah. Or if you're planning a conversation with these people, or maybe it will inspire a new webinar or a new email or something. So wow. I don't think we have even really um, executed as much as possible on what we can do with this data. Of course, you always get in a little place of are we using good too much and getting too specific and, and too segmented, mm-hmm. but I don't think we're anywhere close to that. And so there's definitely an opportunity for us. Yeah. Well, and I think the fantastic thing is that you and your team have figured out how to even capture this data and get it filled yes. out. So thank you for coming on the show to tell us about this incredible success. I'm just blown away by the metrics that you shared. If folks want to contact you, Jackie, to learn more, where can they find you? You can head to LinkedIn. I'm Jackie Vetrano on LinkedIn. I also can be found over by email at JackieVetrano at unc.edu um, or over on my website, JackieVetrano.com. Perfect. Enough. I strongly recommend that you reach out to her. She's brilliant and absolutely lovely. And she told me earlier today, what was the award you won when you were a baby, Jackie? Oh, I am the um, 1992 runner, most beautiful baby runner up in Buffalo, New York. So it's a, 
If you yeah. want to meet the runner-up, most beautiful baby of 1992, thank you. Thank you. That's I'm, I'm waving uh, politely to our listening <laughs> audience. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Well, that's the end of our episode today. Uh, thank you so much again, and to our listeners out there, you keep walking the walk and talking the tactics. Thank you all for listening to Talking Tactics. If you try what you heard today, or if you've got a tactic of your own to share, I definitely want to hear it. So find me on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Diana Kibilds. That's D-A-Y-A-N-A-K-I-B-I-L-D-S. And if you're enjoying Talking Tactics, please rate and review the show because there's nothing I love more than a good grade and positive reinforcement. Finally, If you just can't get enough of good podcasts, the Enrollified Podcast Network delivers with an amazing selection of other marketing and admissions-focused podcasts just for you. Go show them some love. See you next time.